0: Writing effective reviews and affiliate content has traditionally been very difficult for some writers on the web. And often when you look for advice and help on web copywriting, you find content geared more towards writing traditional sales pages, or you'll find advice can be rather abstract and high level, not very actionable. That's why today I wanted to bring on an actual writer who's written thousands of articles for affiliate sites and get his take On what makes effective content. We're going to go deep into how to write great content for your affiliate site. So if you want to learn how the pros do it, then keep watching because this is the episode for you. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Kevin Meng is a writer who's written over 3,000 articles for affiliate sites. He now runs a course, webcopymasterclass.com, where he teaches SEOs and e-commerce site owners how to write copy for sales. His goals are to bring copywriting into the SEO world in a digestible and actionable way. So welcome to the show, Kevin. How's it going?
1: Thanks for having me. It's It's going pretty well. A little bit cold here in Northern Vietnam, but I'm doing all right. How about you?
0: I am doing fantastic, as every single week. Yeah, of course, right? For our audience watching, this is actually the second time we record this. We had a little uh, technical issue the first time. So I think that's good for you as the audience. Because it means we don't have to talk about all the fluff and we can just get straight to the actionable stuff.
1: Exactly. So
0: I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you first, Kevin, as a writer, so someone on the other side of the, the coin to perhaps most of our audience and most of the people listening or watching this, this show, how does it feel or how are you treated by site owners, by SEOs? And is there any kind of insights you can share so that site owners can maybe see what the other side of the coin looks like?
1: Well, it's not easy. I'll tell you that. It's not uh, the easiest thing in the world to do as a writer. I think in general, like SEOs, they kind of their brains are really analytical, right? They're not writers. They think in a completely different way. And um, sadly, the market is just seeing content as a commodity, right? It's a cheap commodity just to fill the pages and get the keywords ranking in Google. And the price is pushed way down and so the people behind the the writing they become kind of undervalued right they don't uh a lot of times you don't even know them right you just pay an agency and the you know the agency just ships you a bunch of articles you never even see the person who wrote them can't even be sure it's a human being sometimes you know like so it's kind of it's not easy because there's a big disconnect between the writer and the seo and it's not just the seo's fault it's both parties there's a huge disconnect between what the writer wants which is like hey respect my craft and pay me more. And what the SEO wants, it's like, well, you know, I just want to get some articles ranking. This is not super important to me right now. So I'm going to keep the price low. So it's a delicate, uh, a delicate dance to say the least. So what are some of
0: the, the things which SEOs or, or site owners would do that would really piss you off as a as a writer?
1: That's a good question. I think it's just kind of not understanding that the biggest thing is just not understanding the value of good content and not under or maybe not appreciating the value of good content. A lot of times they might just say something like, you know, hey, we don't have the budget for this. We want to go really low. They might try to cut your rate by 50% or something like that. They might uh, push you on the deadlines or something like, hey, we need this in two days. And it's like, well, I can't write a quality 5,000 word guide in, in two days. You know, I want to be proud of what I do. I need time. You need to give me some some space to work with, some canvas to paint on. So I think it's just, it all comes back again to that disconnect between the way we think. The Yeah, so what pisses me off the most is just kind of not appreciating writing for how valuable it is, which is understandable, right? Because a lot of times in SEO, like the, 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 the articles are, are not super important in the beginning, right? You'd rather just be ranking than having a good article up there, right? So it's tough. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah, I always felt that SEOs tended to treat writers more as kind of robots or machines. Like they'll input the keyword, the writer will go in, do some magic and output the the, the finished article.
1: That's exactly it, man. That's a good one. As some of our
0: sites have kind of grown up a little bit, I feel like in order to get really A plus level content, we have to engage with the writer a lot more. We have to talk to them. There's a lot more feedback loops back and forth. I just like help in the planning. Do you think that SEOs are kind of getting better at doing that, or is there still quite a big gap between what they should be doing and what they're actually doing?
1: I think, yeah, I think they're getting a lot better at it just in general. I've noticed that a lot more people I'm talking to you know they're coming to me and they're asking me hey I want to find a writer I'm willing to pay good money for it I know I need good content I've been I've been helping people doing a lot of like writer training or some headhunting and just kind of looking around vetting writers for different SEOs and stuff like that and so they definitely are starting to to really understand it but I think there's still a long, long way to go. It's definitely better than it was even just a couple years ago and definitely better than when I started. When I started, it was just a nightmare. you know. So now things are definitely getting better. People are really starting to understand the value of it, especially as SEO gets harder. You can't just uh, slap some articles up there and hope for the best anymore. They've really got to be good.
0: So over time as a writer, you've really sort of honed in your, your copywriting, your sales copy, your kind of review copy writing skills. I think that's quite evident in your, in your course. How did that come about did you start off doing that kind of content or did you just kind of fall into it how did it work
1: no i mean i definitely didn't start out uh doing that it really just i don't want to say by accident it just kind of happened by like symbiosis right as i started to advance more and more into into the industry and and my career i started out just as a you know content writer doing 500 word 400 word articles for some seos in like the local new york area even though i was living in europe at the time they were just having me churn out as many articles as i could do and like my my gift is just being able to write really fast, but still do like quality, you know, like I can churn out a 4,000, 5,000 word article in a day that's coherent and decent quality, you know, and so I found work really quick, luckily. From there, just kind of started to evolve. I went to Chiang Mai. I got involved in the SEO community. I started doing a lot of affiliate reviews for people I was really close with, and I had a, I had like a really um, interesting window into into their business. I could really see what was working, what wasn't working. And I started to study copywriting just to kind of level up my career. And I realized it just kind of hit me one day as I was doing some sales pages, it's like, wow, an affiliate review is actually a sales page if you think about it. Like, It's not a sales page like a traditional sales page, but it's like 70% of a sales page, right? Somebody types in best computer under $500. That means they have $500 in their hand and they're looking to buy a computer, right? So, technically, the review you're giving them is going to be built on the same principles as a traditional sales page. So, it just kind of, it all just started seeping into my work. I was like, well, hey, what if I take this, um, you know, this copywriting language or this positioning language, and what if I just put it into this affiliate review? What if I take this like benefits driven copy and use some powerful language? What if I change some of these verbs to more powerful verbs and just plug it into this review. Let's see what happens. And then boom, you see it. It's like uh, the spikes just go and it really works. You know, I was, I was innovative there, but I was also very fortunate to have that kind of window into the affiliate websites conversion and stuff like that. So that's kind of how it came about.
0: So why should listeners listen to you versus any other kind of copywriter? Like what is that kind of gives you that X factor?
1: Okay. So I always tell people that you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to take my word for it. You can just look at the data. You know, the numbers don't lie. It's clear, like I've done this and I've actually seen because, uh, you know, I've partnered up on some websites and I write the reviews and we split the profits. So I have like a, I have a real vested interest in doing a good job. And the things that I've done have resulted in, you know, huge spikes in clicks, engagement, conversions, decreasing the bounce rate, everything all across the board. And uh, I don't want to oversell it. It's just that, you know, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it work. I'm not really interested in theories. I'm a very practical person. Like, uh, I don't care about copywriting theory. I don't care about writing theory. I don't care about any about anything like that. You know, it's just I do what works. And if it doesn't work, I'm level headed enough to go like, okay, that didn't work. I was wrong. Let's try something else. And when it works, I keep doing it.
0: I think that's been one of the difficulties I've had in in grasping the the copywriter's world because a lot of the people I talk to there, they're quite abstract in their thinking, whereas I'm a very process step-by-step orientated mm-hmm. person. So I find it difficult to apply some of the principles to the reality of writing an, an affiliate review. And I think that's something you do particularly well. So that's why I'm I'm very excited that you're we're able to to finally get get you on again uh, Thanks, and make yeah. this work today. So let me ask you about some of the problems that you see with specific with affiliate content. So if you put in a a keyword, you know, product review or best product, what are some of the common mistakes that you see affiliate site owners do with the content?
1: Yeah, I can think of a few right off the top of my head. Uh, number one, the biggest mistake is screwing up the intro. It's just uh, it's a huge pet peeve of mine. It, it just really makes me, keeps me awake at night, you know, that kind of thing where it's just like, okay, you've got a perfectly good affiliate review. It's ranking number one for, you know, what's going to be a pretty lucrative product. And they just totally botch the intro, you know, like the intro is where you hook the reader, right? And if somebody, there's intent behind every single search Your intro has to not only be aligned with the awareness of the reader, it also has to be aligned with the intent of the reader. So, for example, if you have, um, you know, the 10 best hiking boots for beginners, your intro should not be introducing the topic of hiking, should not be talking about being a beginner hiker, you know? These are things that the reader is already well aware of. What it should be about is why the reader should buy something from you. It should be about what makes your review better. Which products are they going to like the most? What what bad things are going to happen if they don't take your advice? That kind of stuff. You need to use emotion to hook them. If you just say, oh, hiking is a great activity. And if you're a beginner, you might be looking for a boot. If you say something like that, you have totally, totally lost a chance at a sale. And I've worked with clients where it's, I've literally just changed the intro and they've seen huge, huge decreases in bounce rate and increases in sales because people are staying on the page long enough to you know look through and make a purchasing decision. So that alone is just a, a huge win for anyone in the affiliate SEO world. That's probably the biggest mistake that I see.
0: I would say that's one of my certainly pet peeves as well is yeah. either just long fluffy intros where it feels like the writers kind of padded out the word, word content just because yep. they have to write an intro or mm-hmm. intros that don't consider the search intent. My favorite example was uh, one I was looking for recently was how to install a bathroom extractor fan. And the first sentence or the first paragraph of the article read a bathroom fan is a device that extracts air from the bathroom to reduce moisture. It's like, of course someone knows that at the point (laughs) you're, you're, you're searching for this. So I think the, the intent's really important. I just feel like. There's so much fluff in, in in intros these days, and people people are just padding it out too much. How would you say someone can go about reducing that or getting being more direct?
1: Just one thing I really want to touch on quickly is that, uh, I think it's all from our education system and uh, and our our experience writing like essays in school. You know, where you have to give the backstory, you have to give the backstory on the topic. Or have you ever gone to like you know you're doing like scientific research and you go to Library of Congress or whatever, or you know whatever the equivalent is in the UK. And the abstract gives a lot of backstory on something like, so recently I had to do something about supplements and it was about weight loss with some kind of supplement. And it, the study had shown a correlation between this supplement and weight loss, right? But the abstract started out with weight loss is a, is a common uh, desire amongst the population. And in the, in the United States, uh, obesity is rampant. It's like, man, we, we know all this already. Why do, we have to, why do we have to spend the first 200 words of this scientific paper talking about the problem, right? We're already well aware of this. But it's expected in academia, right? But this is web copy, right? This is web writing. And it, in fact, like, that's detrimental. It's not helping. It's, it's doing the absolute opposite.
0: The way I always think about it is that your intro is there to convince the, the reader to stay Correct. and not go to one of the other Correct. tabs that they may have opened or hit back and go to the one, exactly. one of the other SERP, serp results.
1: It is there to convince them to buy something that you are selling in essence, right? which is a copywriting concept, meet the customer where they are, meet the reader where they are. If they're looking for a thousand dollar sofa and uh, you, your sales page starts with talking about the need of a sofa, that's it. You've lost them. You know, it has to focus on what they're looking for, right? Meet them where they are. And that is the goal of the intro.
0: So how should SEO site owners go about writing intros for, for affiliate reviews? Like what, what instructions should they be giving their, their writer?
1: I would say just to keep it easy. So with your intro, you need to use emotions to hook people. You need to use like trust, humor, fear, greed, things like that. But just to keep it easy, I would just go with trust in every single affiliate review. If I were doing it personally, I would probably mix it up depending on the topic. But until you get that feel for it, you really just need to keep it easy and scalable, right? So I would just make an SOP or write it into your SOP or your outlines intro, 100 words or less, use trust to, or instill trust in the reader to get them to purchase something that we've reviewed. And trust can be anything like, hey, we've spent 40 hours on this, or hey, we reviewed 24 different models, or listen, I've been in this business for 30 years, I know. Or um, it could be something like if with a supplement. I used to write for a supplement company and the, and the owner would always just say, you know, hey, tell people we have personal experience with this. You know, we take these supplements. So it be like, hey, are you looking for a weight loss supplement? Well, we've been on this for 60 days and we're going to share with you all of the experiences we've had over those 60 days. And, uh, you know, this is not just some random review where we're peddling a product that we don't use. Like we actually make this product, we use it, here's our experiences. That's really going to hook the reader and be like, okay, I should trust this review. I'm going to read it.
0: So it's interesting you said, did they actually take the supplement or did they just make that In this case,
1: they did actually, yeah, because it was... uh, because it was actually their product.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, do you think that honesty and truthfulness is is vital in that situation? Like I know the reality of the situation is most SEO writers will will maybe embellish things a, a little bit when they're, they're they're writing reviews. What's your kind of stance on that?
1: Am I allowed to plead the 5th amendment on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no you're not I want to give I want to give no self uh, incriminating evidence to no the, I to mean the judge it's here.
0: it's like look we've all done this every single person listening listening to this has done this at some point so we could I think we could be honest about it
1: yeah I mean I think that is up to you to make the decision if you want to do that and of course there, there are a lot of different ways that you could actually tell the truth so a lot of the times with Amazon affiliate reviews I'm not really writing too many of them anymore I just do it for uh, the uh, the sites that I'm partnered on but you know with, with clients before, it would be like, hey, listen, I just spent like twelve hours pouring over Amazon reviews, and I've I've looked at all the good reviews and all the bad reviews, and I've done all the research, and I spent forty hours researching this, you know. So, you know, if you really don't have experience with it, you can't, or if you haven't physically used it, you can still find other ways to instill trust uh, in a reader. There was a time when I was working only on legal websites, and uh, I'm not a lawyer, you know, so I can't just say, hey, I'm a real lawyer, so let me give you this advice because that's not true, right? And that's obviously, that, that's probably against the law, right? So that might get you shut down. But there are ways around it. It's like, hey, listen, I've been reading all these articles. I've been in this business for a long time. I've been in this situation before. So there's a lot of different ways to instill trust without saying, I've actually used this product.
0: And what are some of the ways in which you can talk about the, the, the product without sounding too salesy? Because this is something I see a lot, especially with newer writers or newer web writers, is that they, they often sort of regurgitate the sales page material rather than write what's supposed to be a third party review. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's actually a step up from what I see on a regular basis. What I see on a regular basis is just like, kind of like, Hey, this table is great and it's blue and it weighs 75 pounds and it has four legs and you should buy it. You know, like that's kind of, yeah, that's what I mean though.
0: They'll, they'll go on the sales page and they'll look through all the features and you know, it'll say, Oh, you know, it's,
1: Yeah, and they'll, they'll just
0: rephrase that it has four legs and, oh, it's a lovely color of blue and, you know, that,
1: that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I see. I think the best way to describe it, just thinking of it off the top of my head, is like, okay, on a sales page, you need to be really over the top. You need to be, I mean, not lying, but you need to be super powerful. I wrote a sales page where I uh, was talking about some, not a CPAP machine, but some kind of like huge leap forward in um, sleep apnea technology. And the headline was literally something like the single greatest leap forward in sleep apnea treatment since XYZ technology. You know, And then the subheading was you know guaranteed better sleep or your money back, something like that. So you need to be super salesy, right? It's a sales page, but on an affiliate review, that's obviously, that's going to do the opposite of instilling trust in a reader. They're going to be like, okay, this guy's selling me something. So you've got to find the middle ground. You want to be punchy, but You could dial it back a little bit. And I always say, pretend you're talking to like a friend about it, but you're super excited about it. You know, you're not just talking about, Hey, you should use this product. You should be a little bit excited about it, but not like salesy, you know? So you could be like, if we're talking about hiking boots, oh, that's another thing. Um, Humor is big thing to like soften the blow. So I'll get to that. So if you're talking about like hiking boots, you could say something, you know, like, honestly, these are really the best hiking boots I've ever tried in my life. And I've tried 20 different pairs You could bring a bucket of mud and just put your feet in the mud for fun and you're not going to slip anywhere. You know, something like that. Make it a little bit fun. Don't just say, these are absolutely the greatest hiking boots ever. Oh my God, check them out. You don't want to do that. So you want to just soften it a little bit. And my kind of like, my creative process is like to get my energy going. I always make it a 10 out of 10. I'll be like, these are the, the nuclear bomb, you know, of hiking boots or something to get my energy going. And then I dial it back to like a six or a seven. I find a way to like soften it where I'm just like okay yeah these are easily the best beginner hiking boot because x y and z I've never seen anything like this at this price before. See notice that doesn't really sound too salesy but it's still enough oomph to get that click.
0: I notice as well you're you're talking about your opinion of it so like I've never seen this or uh, explaining it from from the kind of reviewer's perspective uh, uh-huh. I think a lot of writers or some writers they tend to write more in like the third person so like xyz uh, hiking boots are really good they do this they do this it's said that they they perform well for these these types of people Mm -hmm. whereas i think a lot of readers when they're looking Mm -hmm. for what's supposed to be an independent third-party review they're looking for a person they can trust who's going to give their opinion of it not like a faceless brand that's going to regurgitate the 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 sales page really so correct
1: yeah i definitely always write in i uh as much as possible you know the first person as much as possible and if you don't have a a website like that i would still say we or our i never use any kind of distancing i don't like to say it could be said or it has shown to i i just there's not a lot of power in it it's very impersonal there's a disconnect between the the site and the reader i really don't like that if you can do it in first person and if you can't, you know, go with the, go with the, the corporate we or our.
0: Okay. Well, uh, we'll get back to the, the humor point that, which you mentioned before in, in just a sec, but can we talk about features and benefits? Like what, what are they? What's the difference between a feature and a benefit and how should affiliates be using those two things in reviews?
1: Yeah. So a feature is obviously a feature. Like it's what it comes with, you know, you buy this uh, hiking boot and it comes with, uh, this kind of midsole, it comes with this level of thickness, it uh, comes with this material, this and that. But uh, the benefit is obviously what the, the reader is going to get out of it, right? Like how their life is going to be better, the problems that it's going to solve. That's what's really going to make, make the sale, right? And the problem is like pretty much every affiliate review just focuses on the features or it just focuses – I've seen a lot of reviews lately I don't know if it's just sticking out of my mind or what, but a lot of them have just talked about, like, the company itself, like, where it's like, this is the newest printer from Xerox, and Xerox is really into it, and, like, uh, I think this is going to solve all your printing needs because Xerox has invested a lot of money in it, and it's like, wow, what? That is just, it's infuriating, you know, for me, and for readers, it's really boring. You know, nobody's going to drop $400 on a printer or whatever they cost because uh, Xerox just rolled this new one out, right? They want to know, it's like, hey, you're never going to run out of ink, you know? Or it's never going to jam up. You know that last time you threw your printer because the jam, you know, like this one is actually going to, it's going to print out your school stuff when you need it. And you're not going to kick the thing like three times a day. That's what people want to hear. So I would always just focus on the main benefit and, and go as deep into the benefit as possible. I always tell people there are layers and layers and layers benefits so let's just stick with the hiking boot right like this easiest example so whoever has a hiking website is going to get a ton of value out of this podcast so you've got the you've got the hiking boot right the the first level of benefit is like okay it's got the most comfortable midsole i've ever felt right or this midsole is going to stop you from getting blisters on your feet like that's the benefit right but what's even the benefit of the benefit like what is the benefit of not having blisters on your feet go even deeper What happens when you don't have blisters on your feet? Well, for one, you can actually hike all day, right? Two, you have an enjoyable experience, right? So you want to come back and do it again. And three, you don't have to leave the hike and all your friends like start making fun of you because you couldn't handle the hike because you bought the wrong shoes and now you have no uh, friends anymore. You know, your friends all just kind of leave you alone and they never invite you again. Like there are layers and layers and levels and levels to benefits. And the further you go, the better. And I'm not saying every rider is going to be able to do it. And I'm not saying you have to do this for every single product, but especially like your number one and number two products, like go as far into it as as you can.
0: Is that so you keep asking the question, so what? Well, it it means this, so what? Well, that means this, so so what? what? And kind of like drill down multiple levels like that.
1: And that's actually another good one. What and why? Details are really important. You know, people are not going to drop, you know, if I go into a guitar center and I want to buy a new guitar, I just bought a keyboard, right? So I went in to buy the keyboard, and um, and it's like, you know, it's not expensive. It's like a couple hundred bucks. It's nothing fancy. But if the guy's just like, oh, yeah, um, it has 60 keys on it, you know? I'm like, okay, I've never played the piano f- before. That's That's why I'm buying this beginner piano. What is 60 keys? You know, like, what does that do for me? If anything, that sounds terrible to me. It's like 60 keys. I can't play 60 keys at once. I can't keep track of 60 different notes. It sounds overwhelming almost, you know? So, like, I've got to know why that... That benefits me, you know? And it's like, well, it benefits me because that gives me more chords to play and I can learn faster. But what's the benefit of that? It's like, oh, I can play the songs. You have to really know who's behind it. What do they really want? I bought the piano because I want to be able to play the pop and jazz music that I hear all the time on YouTube that I love. It's like, well, you have more keys and that means you can play more songs and you're going to sound, uh, you're going to sound just like The Weeknd. You're going to sound just like uh, Shawn Mendes or Amy Winehouse or any Pink Floyd song you want to play. Like, that's really like what drew me to the, to the piano with more keys, right? Like, uh, and I'm very, I'm still very bad at it. I've only been playing for like two weeks. I'm not trying to say I'm a piano player yet. So again, the benefit, and there's multiple layers to the benefit. So 60 keys. Okay. That means more, more space to play with, right? More chords, more possibilities. And then the benefit to that benefit is like, well, Hey, you're going to be able to play along with pretty much any song in the history of music. Like that is, that's the real benefit, right? And the benefit to that benefit is, well, now you're going to be a good piano player and everybody's going to love you.
0: So what is the, what's the real secret sauce to getting someone over the line to, to actually make the purchase, to trigger that buying emotion?
1: I would say that there's probably no one secret sauce, but your best chance to do it is to just hit them with the benefit right away. I always tell people, like, treat every affiliate review, like, I mean, the actual product reviews themselves, like product number one, product number two. Treat them almost like you would a sales page. And what does a sales page lead off with? A headline, right? And what is in the headline? What's in the headline is the main benefit, right? It's, what's in the headline is the main reason you should be buying this product. And um, I think the best possible chance you have at making a sale is that first line that the reader gets to because any, everything after that is just kind of supporting information. So I would definitely approach it in that way. So if you have one product, again, let's just stick with the hiking boot. You know, you have your number one hiking boot for beginners. The first line needs to be something like a headline that you would see on a sales page, just not too salesy. Be like, okay, up first is by far the best beginner hiking boot, you know, the, you know, the authority hacker pro beginner hiking boot. And, um, no other boot came nearly as close in our testing when it comes to comfort, durability, and price, you know, like the main reason to buy that boot. And, um, again, it all comes down to, finding out what the main benefit of a beginner hiking boot is and to me it sounds like okay it's 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 affordable and it's going to give you a really fun hike you're going to be able to handle any terrain and you're going to be able to stay out all day you know but it's not too expensive right because you're a beginner so my leading line would be something like yeah up first is by far the best beginner hiking boot i've ever seen in my life the authority hacker pro hiking boot because xyz we were out on the trail for 10 hours and our feet felt great and uh It's ludicrously cheap compared to other ones. And then to kind of give yourself more credibility, dial it back a little bit. I mean, like, it's definitely not the best boot out there and there are way more comfortable ones, but, you know, for a beginner at this price, it's absolutely what you're looking for. I think if you lead off with something like that and have a clear, you know, CTA, like if you're a beginner with this budget, get it. With the link, I really think that's your best chance of making a sale. And that's what I've had the most success with.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I really like the idea of having some kind of link very early on in the in the Absolutely. intro, so that those people who don't want to read a thousand or fifteen hundred words of your your article, they they kind of just want the answer and that right. TLDR. They can exactly. they can go through, click, and you can you can make the the commission. I also think that probably has the effect of pumping people's emotional state. So you'll get them excited mm-hmm. about the product yeah. and though their emotions, their emotional side will be convinced that they want the product. And then even mm-hmm. if they still go and read the rest of your article, it's almost like the technical details are them convincing their logical sides or rationalizing their emotional right. desire to, to purchase it when you structure it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because they're going to look at the other article. They're going to look at the other products and just think like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, I don't even need any of these ones. Why would I buy another one? That one is perfect for me.
0: Is there any trick to your outro, your call to action, your conclusion, whatever you put at the end of the the article?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say there's a trick. I think that it's different uh, for every article depending on what it is. Like if you're reviewing one product, if you're reviewing, you know, like a 10-product roundup, if you're comparing two products. Uh, Recently, I did one where I was comparing two products and um, the kind of like outro was just like, you know, in the end, I definitely prefer this one. If you are this customer, however, if you're on a budget and you just need something that's simple, this product is probably better for you. So that's kind of how I would approach like an A versus B review. If it's ten products, I would definitely hammer home uh, the first product, and uh, I would definitely. And it, also, it comes down to like how you structure the article, right? Like it could be. Okay, number 1 is the best overall, number 2 is the best budget one, number 3 is like the best high-end one if you have a big budget or whatever. Number 4 is the best for beginners, etc, right? So in the outro I would just kind of reiterate that that stuff. I would be like, "So yeah, in conclusion, you know, number 1 is by far the best overall. It tested the best during our testing run. However, if you're on a budget, get number 2, and uh if you've got a big budget, go with number 3." And then maybe I'd make like a little little joke, or I like to have these themes like running throughout the whole article, where I make like uh, you know callbacks and repeating jokes and stuff like that. Um, so I might kind of just tie the whole thread together with a you know a theme or a callback, but that's not really necessary. It's just my style. So yeah, just to sum it up, I would just kind of hammer home the, the structure uh, that you've given to the article. So just repeat basically what you've been saying throughout the whole article. This one's the best, but you know if you're on a budget, go with this one.
0: You mentioned their humor again. I don't consider myself a very funny person. How can someone like me write in a funny way?
1: Wow. That's a good question, man. I really wish I'm, um, I i do not know the theory behind it. I mean, humanity, we still don't even know what humor actually is, right? I guess it's like a social lubricant or something like that, but I can just tell you what I do. And what I do is I just make like jokes that I know are going to like jokes that everybody can relate to, you know, like I kind of make fun of myself or, um, I make these kind. Of, I, I'm not like not like crass or anything like that. But so recently, for example, I was doing something like in the fitness niche, and it's for somebody's you know this guy personal trainer's website, and uh, I was like, this gym rack is everything I, I wanted it to be, and you know like my wife can finally fit that exercise bike that I hate more than anything else in the world. You know, it's like everybody everybody can relate to like relationship humor, right? That's good. Actually, okay, that's a good idea. Just what do stand-up comedians talk about? Like, they all talk about the same stuff, right? It's all relationships, right? It's all, like, uh, current events. It's all uh, celebrities and stuff like that. Like, uh, today I made fun of Chuck Norris in one of my articles. Like, I'm sure people get to chuck, chuck a chuckle out of that. No pun intended. So, yeah, just just kind of use those things as a crutch. Uh, recently, like, uh, in one of the sites that I'm working on, um, we review, like, a lot of software, and I talk about how the software works, and then in parentheses I put something like, I really don't have any friends. Somebody help me. And, like, so I thought that was... uh I thought that was pretty funny. I don't know if other people think it's funny. I think it's hysterical and that keeps me writing. So that's really all that matters. Oh, one other great example I have that a client absolutely loved. It was something about like a bench press or no, no, no. It was, um, it was something about like calisthenics, you know, like doing push-ups or whatever. And my, my intro was like, Hey, Hercules never had a bench and like Hercules never had a Smith machine and his chest is doing just fine. And it's like a meme of Hercules, like with his huge, like chest, like sticking out. So like I thought that was hysterical. The client absolutely like loved that. it. Yeah. And actually I'm I, I guarantee you that he didn't even read the rest of the article. He just loved it. And uh yeah, I mean he paid me money for it, so I guess it worked.
0: When I'm trying to assess whether a piece of content is good or not, I always look at the intro and you can almost mm-hmm. tell just from the That's intro on a quick look. scan. And a quick scan through the rest of the article, if it's, if it's going to be good or not. And particularly when it, when it comes to, to hiring writers, if I give lots of tests out or ask for, ask for samples, I can't read dozens of, of, of super long articles from every portfolio. So you gotta, you gotta be able, be able to make a quick judgment. I think a lot of people when they're reading re- affiliate reviews or, or other, other content are, are taking a, a similar approach as well. So yeah. Intro, intro is super important.
1: Yeah, I agree, especially with hiring writers. But interestingly enough, I've been kind of like changing. I'm kind of doing a 180 on this recently because, yeah, the intro is absolutely crucial. And it's the first place you look, right? It just logically, right, is the first thing you see. It's where my eyes go first. And, you know, if the intro is really bad, I used to just be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not working with this person. You know, this person is hopeless or something like that, which is not really fair. And I've noticed like over time with training writers and things like that, it's actually not hard to kind of beat that mistake out of writers. I mean, I used to do it myself when I look back at the stuff I wrote three or four years ago. It's cringe-worthy, right? So it's pretty easy to be like, hey, from now on, you can only write 100 words or less, and it has to be using this formula with this emotion. You know, it's, The intro is actually fairly mechanical compared to the body of the, of the piece, right? Like, the intro can be formulaic. The intro can be just a few lines of, hey, greet the reader, trigger this emotion, give the topic, and then, you know, some bullet points about what they're going to read. And a lot of writers can actually learn it fairly quickly. So I used to just kind of be like, okay, this writer is hopeless, but I've really come around on that. Like if, if they're decent enough with their writing and clear and concise enough, you know, I wouldn't let the intro, I wouldn't let the intro kind of prevent you from working with them. You know, that's easy to, that's easy to correct. But yeah, you're right. Like when I'm, When I'm vetting writers, like I literally, I just look at, it's like a heat map, you know, intro, first line or first paragraph, you know, then I kind of scan through and I just kind of look around, see where my eyes land, you know, see if they're doing the right format. Then I'll read like a random sentence or two. And I'm able to tell like this, like immediately, like, okay, is this person worth it or not?
0: What does your process look like for hiring writers then from start to finish?
1: Okay. So I would say that you mean like from very start, like to the job listing and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't really, I haven't quite done that in a long time. What I've been doing is I've been helping others to hire. So they normally take care of the, uh, the job listing. Okay. You know, They'll post it up on some Facebook group or Cult of Copy or, or wherever they're looking, Upwork, etc. So what I do is I'm really looking for the, the writer you know, themselves. I go through that kind of stage. So what I do is basically just I give a quick scan of their portfolio and I keep a scorecard, but it's mostly in my mind. I've got it to the point where I know exactly what I'm looking for. And I know like how it compares to other things that I've seen recently or, you know, the average writer, I've just got that all in my mind at this point. If I were somebody else, I would just keep a scorecard, you know, intro, because that's super important. You know, intro one out of five, quality of the body, one out of five, you know, lengthiness, one out of five, value, one out of five. Like, do they just, do they spend a lot of time explaining things that the reader doesn't need to know? Do they waste a lot of time just kind of saying bland things that don't have any value? Like one of my biggest pet peeves is like when you have a the content will be like okay step two wash your boots and then the first line is if you want your boots to be clean you need to wash them it's like yeah genius thank you like that's what we're here for you know you don't need to reiterate that so that's a uh, if they make a lot of mistakes like that I, I dock them big time in the value in the value metric so yeah just evaluate their portfolio keep a, a little basic scorecard from there I would get them to write like a hundred to hundred and fifty words sample any topic uh, within the niche. Like, so, you know, if you're in hiking, you know, it's like, okay, you do the research, you find a topic, write me hundred to 150 words on it with your opinion on this topic, you know? And, um, that way you can kind of see, cause a portfolio is pretty, pretty easy to fake. And I'm not going, uh, I'm not ashamed to admit that I totally faked my writing portfolio. When I first started, I told people I had been doing it for years and I literally had no samples. I just, I'm not saying I stole people's articles. I just wrote a bunch of articles and I put them in my portfolio and I was like, oh, yeah, these are all the people that I've worked for, but I can't disclose their websites, you know. So, yeah.
0: You just made a bunch of Google Docs with articles and said that, yeah, the, these are, this is work I've done. Yeah, rest. that
1: these were all from, like, my clients' okay. uh, sites and people were like, oh, you've worked with a lot of people. And I'm like, yep, yep, i working with a lot of people. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but anyways, I made it. So after that, you get them to write, like, 100 to 150 word sample. I would definitely evaluate that on one, like, how quickly do they get it to you? Uh, two, did they follow your instructions? Did they give their you – know, and that's another thing. You have to get them to really give their opinion. Anybody can just copy-paste information. Anybody can just go to any website and kind of regurgitate what was said. But there needs to be synthesis. You know, They need to prove that they've taken this information, synthesized it, and been able to add value to it to the reader, explain it to the reader, explain how it works, et cetera. So make them give their opinion Uh, You could even take it next level and be like, okay, and make sure you include, um, you know, God bless America in the final line. That way you can see if they they, uh, can follow instructions, right? So I would definitely evaluate it from there. And then from there, I would give them a paid sample of, you know, for example, 500 to 750 words. And um, I would evaluate that, and I would give them some areas for improvement, and I would give them another sample and tell them, hey, this is what I'm going to grade you on. This is what I'm expecting to see. Please improve these things. And if they don't improve them, I'm going to be kind of kind of angry about that. Be like, hey, listen, I told you to do this and you didn't do it. However, sad to say, the average writer is just not that good. So that wouldn't necessarily be like a death sentence to me. If they're still decent and they didn't improve, I would still kind of rock with it if they were good enough and uh, maybe give them a chance to get better again with another sample. It's really, a lot of it comes down to feel. Um, But I think over two to three samples and a 100 word sample, you will get a good feeling for okay, does this person listen to directions? Can they synthesize information? Uh, do they, do they write well enough to be on my website? You know, like, are are they going to be tough to work with? That kind of stuff. Because writers can be, we're a very fickle bunch. Uh, so, we we can be tough to work with at times, I'll admit it.
0: How do you then go about working with a writer effectively, like once you've got them on board? Like what are, are some of the, the ways site owners could can maybe improve the way they handle that side of things?
1: Yeah, I think um just over time I've noticed that a lot of writers are really sensitive. I'm actually not, and I think that's I think that's one of the reasons that I've gotten better because like like I said, when I started out writing, like when I go back, I was always good at um writing clearly that was always my biggest skill but I had a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that I was really bad at you know and um the reason I got better was just taking feedback and rolling with it and being like uh being able to take a step back from the the writing because writers we think that like the we think the article is like our baby right it's like oh we created this this is the product of my creativity you know you can't say anything bad about it when in reality like okay well this is coming down to to money and uh you can't say bad things about it as long as it's constructive criticism you know so So again, what I mean by that is just like writers can be very sensitive. So what I would do is I would always compliment them first, be like, hey, I really like this, I really like this, you know, highlight if you got it in Google Docs, make some comments like, oh, this is really good, this is really good. And then just kind of soften the blow a little bit. Just be like, I think what you can improve on is this. Maybe you can cut this down a little bit, or kind of identify with them a little bit. It's like, hey, I used to do the same exact thing. Every writer goes through this, don't worry. However, I learned over time that this actually works better. Don't worry about it. It's just, if you start doing this, it's going to be a lot better. Trust me. And I've noticed that they respond to that a lot more. I used to be very, like, blunt because that's, that's how I work. Like, I expect, you know, polite but very blunt criticism. And I'm okay with that. I can take that and I can change the way I work with that. But to be honest, the average writer cannot. And I've had a lot of issues with that over the last uh, few years where they get super defensive or they're like, Oh no, you're wrong. Everybody's different. You don't really know exactly what works. And it's like, actually, yeah, I do know what works. That's why I'm, that's why I'm training you here. Um, so it's, you gotta be delicate though. I've given up being blunt. So yeah.
0: I was going to say, I think if you position it during the hiring process that mm-hmm. In the early days, the, the first 10 articles, there's going to be a lot of feedback. We like it done in a very specific way, but our yeah. goal is to help you, to educate you, and then to mm. get you to a point where you can write it with only minimal feedback uh, after a certain certain period mm. of time. So they, they kind of know it's coming to an extent. They often take it better.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I should maybe, I should probably take more time uh, upfront to, I mean, I do always let them know, like, hey, I'm going to, give you constructive criticism. This is to make you better. You know, can you handle criticism and stuff like that? I always, I'm, I'm always upfront about that, but maybe, yeah, if you're spending more time on that and it, and it's working, then maybe I, I should as well, you know? Cause I always think, but you know, then again, like the writer, they always tell me, oh yeah, I can, I can handle it. And then I'm like, Hey man, you did this wrong. And they're like, well, well, you know, so it's kind of like just in general, I, yeah, you're probably right. If you're just more upfront about, Hey, we're going to give you some blunt criticism, but we've been doing this for a long time. And uh, we know what works and what doesn't work. And we also have like a really quirky style. So maybe, you know, what you're doing is good, but it's not exactly what we want. That will definitely help soften the blow for sure.
0: And just explain that it's it's it you're not doing it to like put them down, but you're you're trying to help them and help help both of you get the content to where, where it wants to be. This has been really, really great. I've learned a lot, um, even though we, we kind of had this, this conversation already. I think we, we've uncovered a, a few new nuggets today. Uh, is there anything yeah. that I, I haven't asked you, which I should have asked you today?
1: I think um, just a few things that I want to cover that I've been, I've been noticing recently is like um, for anybody in affiliate SEO, your job is to like, your whole livelihood is selling products, right? So if, you, if you've got a product that you're going to recommend, especially a single product review... Do not bury the value of the article underneath two thousand words of explaining to me what it is i 've been seeing that a lot with the clients that i 've been working with where it's like, hey today we 're going to review this supplement, and then um, there 's like a two hundred word intro, which is again too long and then like the first section is what is supplement? How does it work? What are the ingredients like um, don't bury the value underneath a mountain of, of content like you 've got to give them a chance to buy you know in, in my experience, just having that I don't know. Let's just call it a buy box. I don't know a better word for it. Just that, that section at the beginning that's like buy now where they have the main benefit or, you know, the first section can be like why I recommend this product or however you want to, you know, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. Just give them a chance to get the value and buy the product before we get into all the supporting content. That is, um, I've seen that a lot recently and I just know from experience, like I've seen that convert very low and just putting like the, the value above all of the supporting content, I've seen convert very well. So you know, if anybody has uh, data to, to the contrary, I'm happy to see it. I would love to to know what really works. It's just in my experience that is detrimental to uh, conversions.
0: Well, Kevin, thanks very much for, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom here. Can you tell us a thanks, little man. bit more about your course that you have, Web Copy Masterclass?
1: Yeah, sure. So Web Copy Masterclass is basically... Everything that we have talked about in this interview plus a whole lot more. And it's, it's really all just practical examples, step by step, where, where people learn exactly what has been working on all of the, the affiliate sites that I've ever worked on and learning things like, okay, how do you write in the right tone? How do you write concisely? How do you write with power? How do you write uh, with emotion? How do you sell? What are the emotions, uh, that sell products? You'll learn how to write an intro. You'll learn, you'll see a bunch of good examples. And then I give a bunch of like swipe files where you just get examples of intros, examples of good body content, uh, examples of good SEO titles, examples of good affiliate reviews to copy, checklists and all that stuff. It's basically like everything I've learned over the last six or seven years of doing this just dumped right all into a course, you know, like right into a Google slide, uh, presentation. And, um, I think the best feedback I've gotten about it is it's super practical. You see what people are doing that's not working and then how I redo it and what started working, you know? So it's super easy to follow. It's almost zero theory. It's like 95% practical how to do this and 5% theory.
0: I think what makes yours different from most other course content, you know, including, including our own is you have a writing background and have written thousands of, of articles. You're not coming at it from like a site owner perspective so much, even though that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of the audience are, are, are going to be those, those people. So if you guys are interested in, in checking that out, it's webcopymasterclass.com. How can people follow you? Are you on Twitter, social media at all?
1: Yeah, you can find me at uh, Kevin Meng, M-E-N-G, Meng, on Facebook. There's going to be about a 1,000 Kevin Mengs from, from Hong Kong and mainland China, but I'm buried underneath, like, towards the bottom. You will see me eventually, though. You could also find me at webcopymasterclass.com. You can find me at freelanceaholics.com. I'm not on Twitter. The best place to get me is Facebook, though. I'm pretty much always active there. And also, you can kind of get more insight into my brain and uh, SEO copywriting mastermind, which is my Facebook group.
0: Awesome. Okay. That's a free group. Anyone can join, is it?
1: Yeah. Free group. Yeah. Join up and uh, take a look at all the images I keep posting. It's a lot of fun. All right. Well, we'll
0: put a link to that in the show notes as well. Kevin, thanks very much for joining us today. Guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Hope you got a lot of value from it. I know I did. If you liked this episode, if you liked Kevin's interview, if you want more of these kinds of interviews, do leave us a comment or a like on, on YouTube. Tell us what you think. Uh, if you have any questions about copy, feel free to comment down there as well. Maybe we can get Kevin to respond to some of those, those comments after this goes out. Yeah, that'd be fun. In the meantime, we have this podcast every single Monday. Next week, we will be back with a, another episode. I think Gail will return to, to host the show then. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed on YouTube or wherever you get your, your podcast. Thanks and have a good day. Sweet. Thank you.